Welcome. You're listening to Value Add with Lars Coburn, bringing conversations and reflections that add value to your life. Well, hey, podcast listeners. Thanks for tuning in again to an episode of Value Add. This conversation I recorded uh, last October, and it was a conversation with my parents, actually. So you'll hear from my dad again, who I have as a constant guest, uh, because he is kind of the behind the scenes uh, mentor and leader in my life. So my dad and I are putting on this year, Live to Lead. And Live to Lead is a conference um, that uh, he's been hosting now for the last three years. And it's a great opportunity to learn from guys like John C. Maxwell and some other leaders that he brings on. So John Maxwell is going to bring on us four guests, and uh, this podcast is a reflection about last year's 2017's Live to Lead. So I'm hopeful that it's a great preview of the reflections that can happen if you join us at Live to Lead Glendale. The information will be in the show notes, and I hope that you'll join us at Live to Lead Glendale on October 19th. So without further ado... Uh, the podcast reflection on Live to Lead 2017. Here we go. Hope you enjoy. And we're uh, up here in Eugene. I'm sitting in the old living room of my house with my parents, uh, with Paula and Larry Coburn, uh, who I'm just going to call mom and dad because that's what I call them. So <laughs> mom and dad, welcome on the podcast. Thanks for being on here. Yeah. Thanks for letting us join you. Yeah. It's really great to have you here for the weekend. So uh, we just had a, a leadership event called Live to Lead. We'll talk a little bit more about what that was. Uh, and that's the whole reason I came up, flew up for the couple days. So as I was prompted through that, like to think about a leader in my life, and in fact, I'm, I'm kind of sitting with both of them that I would, I would talk about. Um, and probably a big uh, reason uh, that you guys are, are that for me as leaders in my life is because of uh, all the, the lessons I've learned and, and as I kind of try and teach other people, I, I remind them of things like uh, remember who you are and who you belong to that mom would say to me all the time um, or as, as dad you would say uh, every day a little up and, uh, and so this weekend has been kind of one of those growing opportunities for me. Uh, that I need to kind of choose to wake up every day and every day a little a little up, a little more towards uh, where I want to be. Um, so you guys are definitely my leaders in my life, but I thought I'd pose the question to you. So, so Mom, who's been a leader in your life? Well, my father and mother certainly were that to me too, but I just a little random comment I thought of. Uh, I had a conductor once I played in, in the Junior Symphony, and uh, he, I remember, I was fairly timid, young and quiet, but I uh, wanted to be a significant part of it. And he would always tell us, if you're going to make a mistake, make it big enough so we all hear it. And I used to think, oh, that's horrible because I just want to be timid and play. But he knew if he didn't teach us that, we wouldn't really be bold in our in our playing. You know, I was a violinist and I needed to play out and not be just a timid little uh, person sitting there. So... That was one little comment I remember as a, that he always would tell us that as a good leader. Awesome. And Dad, what, what about you? Who's been a leader in your life? Yeah, well, there's the same thing. I think there's a lot of people I could talk about. Uh, I could talk about Pop. I could talk about uh, 
um, like Dean Catlett at, at a time in my life made a big impression on me uh, as a, a preacher. Uh, but also in high school, I guess I'd point to uh, Harlan Town. He was my track coach, one of many track coaches I had. But one, several things he said stuck with me over the years. But one of the things that he really impressed on me was, if you want to be as good as you can be, here's what you do. And almost, I don't care if you, if you don't want to be as good as you can be, then it, I don't care if you do it. You're not... But if you want to be as good as you can be, here's the work you're going to put in. And uh, I, I've thought about that a lot. Like it, it, uh, it's a lot of times it's not the how-to, it's the motivation. And I really got that from him. That's awesome. So, so speaking of live to lead and leadership, um, Dad, tell us a little bit what is live to lead, and and uh, what, what are we talking about today? Yeah, well, we we described live to lead. It's an annual. A global event. We describe it as a leadership experience. Um, I guess if nuts and bolts, it's John Maxwell, a noted leadership expert by some accounts and measurements, the number one leadership expert in the world. He gets some of his friends and colleagues together each year uh, to give talks um, and share their stories and their perspectives on leadership. Uh, he does it in Atlanta, Georgia area, usually in the fall sometime, and it's simulcast or rebroadcast. We do a rebroadcast here in Eugene, all around the world, um, and uh, through mainly through his his uh, coaches organization, John Maxwell team. But you experience about a, a four hour, it's about a four hour experience with uh, usually five talks and uh, and some time to share with the other people you came with. Awesome. And so, Mom, this is the second year that you guys have uh, hosted this in Eugene. And we were just talking afterwards, since this is my first time being at the actual event, the actual recast. Um, so uh, what, um, what, do you, what do you think uh, was the, kind of the reaction of some of the people that have attended? You know, some people have been to both of them. There were new people this year, like me. First, my first time. So, what's your impression of their uh, experience and their reaction as attenders? Well, it is uh, great. I I think um, we noticed a couple companies that uh, had a presence, Nike and Warehouser, which are large companies, and they would have access to a lot of great leadership things. And we were surprised at their response of how much. In if a work group came, which is what happened last year then that same work group wanted to come this year because it spurred that group on then to challenge each other with some of these things. And I and I was struck by that because those guys had to take a day off. They had to drive, the Portland ones had to drive quite a ways to come, two hours. And yet they saw a lot of value in just listening to these four speakers and having a little bit of time to discuss. And then because they came as a group, then they would go home and they would reflect on those same things. So I guess that's the one thing that I thought was quite unique, and it wasn't just one person from a company and one person from a uh, church or something that came. It, it really made a difference when there was a work group, uh, several people from the one church or from one company that came to experience it. And so we did have some repeats this year because I think they, they had value, value from last year's yeah. event. That's fantastic. Uh, and then you were talking about how this is a global kind of event in, in many ways. Um, and so, you know, what, uh, 
what you're really bringing is this local access to something that you know they wouldn't get in in Eugene, um, and so that's that's a really neat um, neat thing. I I uh, I love the partnership that you're you're building with Northwest Christian University, my alma mater, um, and a place mm-hmm. where you're now on the board of trustees. But that was a neat thing, and now hosted at their site um, too, and and saw a lot of uh, faculty and staff. Um, there, which was which was really neat. So um, I think it's yeah, like you said, it's not just about the talks. It was really an experience um, that you're bringing. And so as a as a participant, I really appreciated uh, the experience. So let's dive in um, to these kind of reflections that we've uh, talked about and process through them. Uh, there were five talks. Uh, we had John Maxwell, Dave Ramsey, uh, Cheryl uh, Backlider. Um, Warwick Dunn, and then John Maxwell again. And um, so uh, let's just kind of start there with, with John Maxwell's first uh, talk. And uh, he, he mentioned some things about creativity and flexibility. Uh, and Dad, you were, you were kind of summing that up for us. So what was John Maxwell talking about when he was kind of talking about this creativity and flexibility that leaders need to have? Yeah, I was just struck by it because we always hear leaders uh, have vision. You know, you, you want to follow a leader, they have vision, they have vision. Uh, like everybody knows what that means or that somehow their eyes are better than everyone else's or I don't know. Uh, and so I appreciated that John said, you know, what vision is made up of is those two things, creativity and flexibility. But then he went on to say, it's, um, it's a matter of, it, that comes for an effective leader from their heart, what they mm-hmm. believe. So in creativity, it's not that they're maybe more you know right-brained and creative or something, but it's what they believe. They believe there's always an answer. There's always a solution. There's always a way to, to accomplish something. And flexibility, they believe there's always more than one way. So that allows them to, that creates the vision. Mm. Uh, if they hold on to that belief, they don't know what the way is or what the many ways are, but they believe they exist. So then they can go looking for them. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, um, well, you know, your story with Nike um, and really our story as a family connected to Nike, uh, Maxwell used a, a Nike slogan in his talk, there is no finish line. And, and I, I loved your reflection, Mom, on, uh, on what he was kind of trying to get at with that idea that there is no finish line in leadership. So what was he really trying to drive home with that no finish line comment? Well, he was always using the there's more, more, and and don't, uh, if you think you've grabbed it, no, keep striving for more. There's always more beyond. So whether you're getting older or you're at the top of your game at your work, there's still more that can be done, you know. And so it was a, it was kind of exciting, actually, when he was talking about it. There was a lot of passion in how he presented, but I felt it within myself, too. Hey, there is more that I could be doing with this, even this little area in my life, you know. So uh, That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, he had this kind of funny saying that he kind of kept re- repeating. There's, there's more, um, there's more, more, and there's more before. And, uh, and leaders, he said... Um, see more than others see, and they see before others see. And, uh, and that's uh, something that he's, I guess, identified in leaders cross-culturally, globally, um, in every context, that there's, 
uh, leaders see more before. And I thought that stood out to me um, in his talk. And that's something I kind of want to think about. Like, am I seeing more uh, before? And if not, then I'm, I may not be the leader in the room. And I need to be uh, listening and attentive uh, to that. And I need to maybe not be so um, caught up with what I'm uh, thinking is new that maybe other leaders have already seen before me. Um, and be, uh, be ready to, to uh, see that stuff. Um, and he talked a little bit about our, our thinking, right? And, um, and so I appreciated, Dad, what you were saying about um, the creativity and flexibility that ties into that. And that made me think about my own uh, life and how I need to name experiments in my life, uh, things that uh, help me see more before and take a little step every day uh, every day a little up to see more before. And that, um, he titled this talk No Limits, uh, but I really walked away going, actually, it starts today uh, to get to that no limit thing. Um, it starts today with the experiments today. Uh, so the next talk was really, really practical from, from Dave Ramsey, um, who I had uh, kind of looked at from afar and really hadn't uh, thought about much and really hadn't heard him speak in person. So it was really, really a neat thing to, to hear him talk. And sitting at the farm here, we, we've been talking about some of the business initiatives that maybe you guys want to get into. And I think you're thinking about getting some, some cows. Uh, Mom, Dave, Dave Ramsey used a cattle herd analogy. What was he talking about with the, the cattle herd analogy um, when it comes to leadership and about bosses versus leaders? Yeah, it was cute, too. He used sound effects, you know. So he'd moo, and then the bosses are back behind pushing, and he'd do a snapping sound like they were uh, using a, a whip. whip at him or a prod, cattle prod. And you can kind of, as a person who's worked for people, I can I can kind of see how bosses sometimes have done that. They From behind, they're just pushing, pushing the cattle. But he said true leaders pull. So and they're in the front whistling, come on now, let's get going, and leading the cattle down. And uh, we used to have a dog that would sometimes get in the way, and he tried to be a, a herder, and he was always just getting in the way, and we'd have to tell him, get out of the way. And we'd get one, if we got one cow or calf to follow us, then that was the leader, and the rest of them would follow that guy heading down there. But if we could get one of the cattle to start get in front and get pull, he'd pull the rest of the herd. But if that stupid dog would get in the middle and throw him off. He was like a bad boss that was disrupting the, the herd heading down the, the path. So I, I replied it to my childhood upbringing, too. It was kind of neat, and I, I thought it was a great illustration of what he was trying to say. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And, um, you know, as I was thinking about the um, organizations and, and things that I worked for, Ramsey was also noting that... Um, the organization is is never going to outgrow you as the leader, right? And um, you're really trying to focus on uh, this this idea that uh, you're not limited by the opportunities that are in front of you, or you're not limited by your branding or whatever you want to call that, your market um, stuff. As much as we want to do a SWOT analysis to figure out what's going on, it's it's really you're the limiting factor in your organization, mm-hmm. and um, and so thinking about that, like as as uh, connecting that to the cattle herd thing, it was helpful for me. Um, he he talked a lot about uh, change and um, 
And so, Dad, you were you were kind of reflecting a little bit on uh, his maybe prophetic voice uh, in the in the talk about maybe hey, you just need to decide to change. So tell us a little bit about what he was trying to get across. Yeah, I think in many ways, uh, you know, he was leaning into the wind there, uh, reflecting on the um, maybe the culture that uh, seems to be dominant right now of kind of helplessness. Like I. I can't help the way I am. I can't help being this way or doing this. And uh, he was kind of pushing on that, I think, saying a lot of things. You can just decide. He'd do this little clap. Just change. Just that quick. Just decide. Okay, I'm not going to be like that anymore. I'm going to be like this. And things like being on time, being trustworthy, being living up to your word, and so forth, really are kind of like that. They're a decision. I've, I've decided that's important, so... I'm going to decide to be different, act different. Um, I don't think at all he was trying to say, you can just decide to be a, a brain surgeon. I'm a brain surgeon. <laughs> he wasn't trying to say that. There's some things that you have to go through a process, and, and it takes time. But a lot of things that are just about your character, basic behaviors, we act like we're helpless. I can't help it. Yes, you can. You can change. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Um, it's something that I, uh, as I'm looking at my notes and thinking about things that I, I'm curious about, and we'll get to some question things later on in the podcast where we, we realize we really need to ask good questions, uh, was a huge takeaway for all of us. But, um, one thing that I'm curious about in Dave Ramsey's talk is he talked a little bit about the ratio of, uh, bosses mm-hmm. tend to have, uh, or leaders tend to think of a one to 10 ratio, you know, I have. I'm one leader or boss, and I have 10 employees or 10 people in my department that I'm trying to develop. And he said, uh, he mentioned some research and some studies or something that is saying, you know, a lot of ratio, uh, you can't really do that effectively, that it's one to five is the actual kind of more magic number, that that's, you really can't do direct leadership on more than five people directly. And that made me... Uh, leave curious with some questions about um, am I trying to have direct leadership on more people than um, maybe my I have the capacity to do, maybe that I can be effective um, in that. And that leads to the um, to kind of a theme I think that bubbled up, and I'm not sure it was intentional, it might have been, uh, but was servant leadership was something that started with Dave Ramsey and then really continued through the rest of every talk. Um, and so he just kind of used a, a, a illustration of a, a pyramid, a traditional leadership, the leaders at the top and the organization you know, wide at the bottom. Um, but a servant leader really flips that triangle upside down. And yes, the pinnacle is at the bottom, but uh, the leader is really serving the rest. And and he made the point, uh, loyalty to your employees. Treat other people the way you want to be treated, and they'll uh, treat you that way, right? If you take care of your people, they'll take care of you. And uh, he, he said it was simple Jesus stuff. Um, but I, I left going, huh, what, what does that look like uh, for us to uh, think about when we've used the cattle analogy um, of being out in front um, and yet also serving them, Right not just being out there for our, not just being out in front because I want to be out in front, uh, but really serving them. And that brings us to um, to Cheryl's talk, uh, the third talk, 
Um, and she started with a quote, all leadership is influence. I think she's quoting John Maxwell Mr. there. Maxwell. Um, so all leadership is influence. And and so she, she gets into some things about um, leadership. And so, Mom, you, you uh, took away a great question of hers, uh, a reflection question. What was the, the question that she um, posed that you were really reflecting on? Yeah, she said, are the people better off because of your leadership? And I think it was great. And then she told the story of uh, Popeye's uh, chickens case study. And and it was just, it was real interesting. And that helped me kind of look for that in, in the case study, I thought, you know. Yeah, so she talked about Popeye's. And uh, what was she really, you know, what was some of the things going on in her Popeye's story? There was some root cause analysis and things going on. Yeah, I was really struck by that uh, because she kind of went through it very methodically. Like, we knew we needed to I, to use servant leadership um, to to uh, the company was in trouble. We knew we needed to practice servant leadership if we were going to recover. And then we began to ask, who do we most need to serve? And then they discovered that was the franchisees. And then they were step back, oh no moment, you know, oh no, we don't like them. We talk, look how we talk about them. They're, you know, they're a problem, they're a pain, they're uh, aggressive, they're entrepreneurial, they're like a dog on a bone, they won't let go. And uh, it's hard, we're, with all this negative feeling about them, no wonder we're not serving them, you know. Yeah. And so then she turned to the love idea, which I, I thought was, uh, was really powerful to say, well, we have to decide to love them. Uh, how can we love them? And that changed how we talked about them, changed how we, and then we were able to serve them. And so I felt like they got to the root cause there, almost a five why chain, you know, why, 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 why uh, are we in the mess we're in? Well, because we don't love the people that we most need to love. So good point. Yeah. And, um, she mentioned several things about her, her daughters. I, I think, um, uh, one of the things she uh, talked about is that one of her daughters is a um, uh, is she is a, into extreme sports and um, and she talked about how there's um, uh, the reality that uh, servant leadership is like an extreme sport um, that uh, she asked this question that I took away as kind of a reflection question are you courageously leading your team to a dangerous destination you know, something bigger than you can imagine. Um, and there's trust and there's uh, courage that's required in extreme sports. There's also um, uh, humility required in extreme sports. Not everybody makes it to the top of Mount Everest um, in a, on a mountaineering team. Um, and so there's this, there's this humility and courage tension in what it means to, as she said, dare to serve the people that we work with. And then, then she culminated with a story about her daughter when her daughter was little, uh, quoting some, some Bible to her. Um, what, was, what was the quote that she uh, used, Mom? Um, uh, well, Mama, it was kind of neat because uh, she had been at this seminar and had learned all this stuff, and she called home to tell her little girl goodnight. And the little girl, so she said, I've learned a lot of stuff today. And, and the little girl then says, Oh, and yes, Mommy, I learned, too, uh, a Bible verse in Vacation Bible School. 
and it talks about uh, do what you have learned. And so, Mommy, I hope that now you'll do what you have learned today. Yeah. And it just caught her off guard that here her three-year-old was actually reflecting back on this principle that that all these adults have been talking about, you know, so simple. Right, and so that's how she ended. She actually was trying to say and make a case through her entire talk that um, you can still perform, you can still have results based on servant leadership. Servant leadership isn't just going to be something um, that means you kind of roll over and play dead and let a life walk all over you. It's actually something Dave Ramsey brought up in his talk about how servant leadership doesn't mean subservient leadership. It doesn't mean that we uh, just let people walk all over us. Um, it's an extreme sport, and we're going to be blessed if we would do these things, yeah. right? And we're going to have results if we actually commit to uh, loving the people that we uh, work with and serve. Uh, so, yeah, it was a really a neat and rich time listening to her talk and her story about her work with Popeyes and other um, businesses that she's worked with. Um, and then it was a quite a, a transition as we moved into the um, fourth talk was uh, was a story um, about a, a football NFL player, uh, Warwick Dunn, um, who, uh, who had played for uh, Coach Dungy and, and others and is now a part owner of the Atlanta Falcons, and um, as a as a kind of amateur football uh, watcher, I wasn't super familiar with who he was as a player, um, but his story really moved me, and uh, and so as we uh, kind of got into some of the nuts and bolts of his story, um, his, which is full of adversity, um, the the person who is kind of telling his biography before he got up to do the interview. Um, shared that for him adversity was a fuel, um, a fuel that that led him um, to go to places uh, he wouldn't have gone, um, and uh, and and those kind of things, and do things that he wouldn't have done, and so um, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about some of the tenets of his story. Um, Mom, you you were reflecting on his experience with uh, with Coach Dungy and uh, just some of the things that he talked about uh, in terms of the coaches. Uh, the coach as a leader demanded this tremendous respect. Uh, so tell me a little bit about what stood out to you in in that story. Well, I uh, I just was struck by the coach and and Warwick had such a great relationship. They were so close that uh, he didn't want to disappoint. And so when he, you know, would be out on the field and, and do make a bad play or something, he realized it wasn't so much that he'd get in trouble. It was that he didn't want to disappoint his coach. And I think that was uh, also a trait that he had developed with his mama. And uh, he loved her so much, and he recognized how much she did for him and showed respect to him, too, in trying to get to his games when she was having to work hard and all and uh, so I just felt like uh, that was a good point that it wasn't uh, uh, oppressive that you don't disappoint me because I'm totally in charge. No, it was a, a love, a deep love and respect so that he had had for his mom. It showed up in the way he treated her and then also this coach. The coach showed him love and respect and so he, he wanted to play his best for him always. Yeah, and that to me is the connection to the servant leadership stuff. 
that uh, maybe they didn't name it that way, that they would say that the coach was a servant leader, but that's that's what came through to me loud and clear, was that this the, this relationship between them was um, serving back and forth, um, and, uh, and in many ways the leader uh, served his players, the coach served his players in such a way. And the story, I mean, of course, uh, is worth uh, taking a look at and reading. Uh, what's the name of the book, Dad, that you have yeah, there? Yeah, the book is called Running for My Life. Uh, my Journey in the Game of Football and Beyond, Warwick Dunn and Don Yeager. Don Yeager is really the writer or storyteller, and Warwick Dunn is the story, his life. Uh, but it's worth uh, it's worth diving into to get the whole compelling story because uh, just the short story of it, his mother is a police officer and she's killed right before he's, like three days before he's supposed to go off to college and play football. And uh, it takes him on a 10 years or so journey uh, of depression, even while he's starring in football, uh, to, uh, to sort of face that adversity down and not let it rule his, uh, his life. And it's, it's very compelling. Uh, yeah, story. absolutely. And so as we uh, think about um, some of the, the things about disappointment and um, not wanting to disappoint his his coach, but also not wanting to disappoint his mom, and uh, and then trying to wrestle with some of that. Um, he in the interview then afterwards with with John Maxwell and uh, and Don Yeager then really kind of talked about how the adversity was fuel not just for taking us to places we would never go or um, doing things we would never do, but also kind of this revealing, this refining of our character. It, um, I think he even said, I, it's, it's not, uh, adversity doesn't define you, uh, but it reveals you. Mm. And, uh, that was really quite interesting. And I, I think you were reflecting a little bit on, um, the reality of, of character, uh, that was revealed in the adversity in his story, um, and his story to forgiveness because his mom is, is killed. So tell, tell a little bit about, um, that and what stood out to you in that story of his road to yeah I think well uh, again like you said he he made the point and it his life punctuated it but he made the point on the stage that when you face adversity the true person comes out your true character is revealed Um, but he also I think showed that it's not the things that happen to you it's how you respond to them and his response to that tragedy of his mother being killed was to, you know, work through counseling, work through writing down all the things that he'd like to say and ask the the guy who killed his mom to eventually facing him and simply saying one thing, essentially, I came here to forgive the person who killed my mom. That's why I came here, and I can do that. And that released him from, from, uh, from that adversity, owning him. He owned it. That adversity became the fuel. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was very powerful. It was hard to, to listen through that whole story and not get choked up at some point uh, in the emotion of it. Yeah, and, uh, and John, in kind of making some observations, John Maxwell, in making some observations during the sharing and the interview, um, he talked a lot about the respect that great leaders have because of their character. He said, you don't, you don't demand it, you earn it on rough ground. And I mm-hmm. thought that quote from, from John Maxwell, you, you don't demand respect, you earn it on rough ground. And Warwick Dunn really earned our respect through the rough ground of his life, the adversity there. And, um, 
and what he's doing now with helping, uh, you know, single moms uh, with kids get into affordable housing, whether it's putting down the down payment, partnering with Habitat to Humanity, um, is really, really neat with his uh, work done um, uh, foundation and stuff. So uh, I thought it was a really uh, neat kind of culmination of servant leadership mm-hmm. there um, as we kind of walked through those three uh, talks before that kind of led to that one. So the the fifth talk um, was John Maxwell again after our, our lunchtime. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to process all of these talks um, super quickly, but um, this one really centered around um, some, some key points that he uh, was making. And so, uh, again, back to vision. He started with vision, and he had kind of five things he was uh, leaving us with about vision. And, uh, and so um, one of those things, uh, Mom, you were really noting um, about being intentional. So what was John really trying to make with one of his points about being intentional? Yeah, uh, that every day you should be growing, uh, increasing your growth capacity. And I just, I was struck by his little comment at one point. He said, you know, a lot of people say, well, I hope I can do better at this. And he said, hope is not a strategy. And we were all like, yeah, I guess you're right on that. And he said, raise the bar, get a system, develop some ideas of how you're going to change that around and start growing. And and I didn't even get the impression that it has to be these huge, massive steps every day. It's just little by little, you know. And I, I guess I'm reminded of that song, Little by Little Every Day, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's the uh, old uh, Devo song. And that, yeah. that really is a good message for everybody to hear, whether you're young or old. Don't try to take on the world <laughs> during that day, just a little bit every day. But don't just talk about it either and say, well, I sure hope I can do something. Just get after it. And I, I think Ramsey, he also was good about that little, you know, clap thing. Just do something. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so we we kind of noted that we were going to talk a little bit about asking questions. That that was one of the things that came up actually in, in Work Done's interview. John Maxwell was realizing, oh, man, we're going to talk about the question thing. So he, he did spend less time in his uh, last talk because he had – he had kind of talked a little bit about asking good questions because, in fact, Warwick um, talked about going back to school after being a pro athlete and now being a partial owner of uh, the Atlanta Falcons. He wanted to get his MBA, and so he went back and enrolled, and, um, and he realized that asking questions, even if they seemed like stupid questions, like, how do I format a paper? Or, uh, you know, help me and my fellow, you know, students, even though uh, he has been this super successful athlete um, in this realm, I got to ask good questions. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so Dad, what, what uh, were some of the questions that John Maxwell mentioned in his talk that you walked away going, man, those are some good questions that I need to start asking? Yeah, well, I mean, um, the... Um uh, I think you mentioned it when we were talking earlier about who who do you know that I should know is a good question um, to uh, you know just further your growth, uh, but also just um, maybe some questions about who or what um, people other people think are important. What are their perspectives? What has been their experience? I think he talked about a guy who um, had decided he was going to seek out the people who were 10 years ahead of him 
in his journey, not 20 years because they've forgotten, <laughs> yeah. you know, and not peers as much, but people who are about 10 years ahead to be able to ask them, what, what am I going to face? You know, I'm 10 years behind you. What am I going to face? And, and what's your best advice uh, for me? So I was reflecting that I, uh, you know, I like to talk and I like to tell people lots of things, but I don't necessarily ask that great of questions. I don't ask that many questions uh, by comparison. That's a good reflection for me. That's great. Yeah, and he, uh, his, his kind of last point was about investing time, going to places and being with people who inspire you to see more before. So he came back mm -hmm. to that, you know, leaders see more uh, than others see and they see before others see. And so he, as he came back to kind of conclude with that, he was just kind of like, man, go to places that inspire you. Uh, go out and, and have this moment of, wow. And then, you know, uh, find great people. Find people that make you go, wow. And be in great places and be with great people. And, uh, and it's kind of an interesting thought. Uh, and he talks about this in his uh, uh, 15 Laws of, uh, of Growth. Um, putting yourself around um, bigger people, putting yourself in the room with people who are, uh, if you will, a bigger personality, are more successful, are in a, a bigger sphere of influence than you, um, and, uh, and be around them because they're going to uh, take, you know, you're going you're gonna to be bigger when you're with them. And uh, I thought that was uh, interesting. For John, it was John Wooden, uh, Coach, Coach Wooden um, of UCLA Bruins, uh, kind of fame, and, uh, and so to hearing him talk about his experience with, with John Wooden and the mentorship that he had with him uh, was uh, a wow moment, um, and I thought about the people that I want to meet and the people that I want to ask good questions of, um, the people I want to be around. So speaking of, uh, you know, just kind of the everyday uh, a little up, or as Maxwell put in his talk, intentionally grow every day. Uh, you know, the only guarantee, Maxwell said, that we have for, for growth tomorrow uh, is to get better today. Um, and, um, and so I just thought as we end this podcast, end this time together, reflecting on Live to Lead, and um, we should name the experiment that we're going to do today uh, to lead to growth tomorrow. Um, so I'll, I'll start with, uh, with you, dad. Um, what, uh, what's your, uh, practice, um, that you're, you're trying to adopt or your experiment that you're trying to adopt this? Yeah, well, I think for me, it, it comes back to that question thing and, and recognizing I don't ask that great of questions or that many questions. And, and I think it comes down to how I prepare. Like if I'm going to go have coffee with, with Pete or with, uh, somebody at the school, um, I've been, most of my preparation's been, uh, what do I, what are the issues going to be? What do they want to hear me talk about? And I want to prepare next time with, you know, what are the questions? What are, you know, if I can write down a list, what are the questions I need to ask them? So I can take a more questioning approach. I think I'll have to change my prep if I'm going to change my execution. That's awesome. Yeah, changing our prep for how we... Uh, enter into conversations. That's great. So, Mom, um, what uh, what is your your practice? I think you were uh, really impacted by work done's mother's story, and so um, what what's one of your practices you're taking away? 
Well, one of the the uh, comments I thought that uh, she had made that he remembered as a boy was, you can be bitter about something that happens in your life, or you can be better. And I just thought that was a, a, a really good reflection. And I thought about many a times when I something happens, and it could be uh, just an event, or it could be somebody says something, and why do I have to act uh, maybe hurt or bitter by it? Maybe, maybe my response should be, hey, that's something to take away and I can be better the next time. Maybe I did something that caused this person to make a negative comment or something, but instead of me acting bitter about it, why don't I turn that around and make it better? And I thought, goodness, she had a big challenge raising five kids all by herself and and uh, and then to she left a lot of good uh, foundations for those kids in the short time she was able to be a mama, you know. So so it was it was uh, a great lesson I thought for that she left with her son. Yeah, she had a lot to be bitter about, and yet she uh, really was better. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's that's tremendous, and the servant leadership that she modeled uh, really is shown in her, her son and then also in what he reflects on her experience and things. Uh, how did she get from, you know, she's working, but she ends up in the, in the stands for me. And so, um, she could have been bitter that her son was playing and she had to work, you know, um, so so she couldn't be there, but, uh, but no, uh, or she could have been bitter about the, the times where they, he was running track, he said, and they would have to drive, you know, hours away uh, all summer long to for him to go run in these meets and things so they would just end up you know being in the car all summer and she could have been bitter you know um, but she was better because of it so I, I love that I love that experiment I I, I hope I can uh, glean from some of that um, as I as I think about hey mom is probably thinking about being better over this I, I need to do that as well uh, well maybe the uh getting stuck in the airport for 12 hours. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Because, and you, you, you reflect on you that, your to... journey to live to lead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I, uh, I missed my flight. Um, and I could have been bitter about it. I think I was a little bitter about it, but, um, ultimately it's been a great weekend. And so yeah. I, I think I'm better for it. So, um, my, my one experiment is, is really linked, um, to, uh, to what you were talking about, Dad, with asking questions, I, I really uh, have been coached to ask questions of people that I go and meet with uh, to to prepare before meeting with them, and um, just so that they don't feel like I'm kind of uh, just trying to have coffee for no reason. Like uh, some of the people have mm-hmm. better t- uh, better things to do with their time than just have coffee and talk about me. Um, and so I, I'd be there to ask good questions and then they might actually want to continue a relationship with me. And, um, and if I want to put myself around bigger people, um, then I need to be really intentional about those questions. And so the, the one question that John Maxwell posed that you've already mentioned, Dad, that I, th- I think I, I need to do better of asking is uh, ask people, who do you know that I should know? And uh, because I... I I've gotten to meet some really neat people, and I've had some people introduce me to people. Um, I've had several friends who say, hey, do you know this person? He lives near you, or uh, you should get to know this person. Uh, now there's even some people who have said things like, you know, I was telling somebody about you. You're, uh, they were 
they were asking me who I should know, and I said, you should know Lars. And, uh, and I was thinking about how cool it was to uh, have some of those kind of things happen randomly to me. Um, and some neat people that I've gotten to know around my master's degree program and, um, and other, other spheres within, uh, for my context, youth ministry. And, um, and so I just kind of want to get a little more intentional with that, that every day when I sit down with somebody I know or, or a, a student or a faculty in my master's degree program or somebody at my church, um, you know, if I, as I even think about reaching out to the community and getting to know uh, teachers and trying to reach families in my community, uh, I should be asking the teachers, who do you know that I should know? at your school, or who, who, uh, what families do you know that I should know? Um, and, uh, and trying to just kind of begin having that posture of asking a really good question that will lead to these relationships. So um, I'm really thankful for Live to Lead and what it uh, has kind of spurred in me to think about asking this good question. Um, and I know there's so many more things. I'll probably be listening to this podcast myself just to remember all of the uh, awesome conversations that uh, have come from the Live to Lead. If uh, they were wanting to follow up with more events um, like Live to Lead or coaching opportunities with you, Dad, what, what's one way that they uh, could get in touch with you and, and, uh, and any other sorts of Live to Lead type events? Sure. Uh, well, uh, you can get in touch with me through my website, LarryCoburn.com, uh, or just an email. I'm leanlarry at mac.com. Uh, but also, just looking up a Live to Lead, it's a global uh, event. Uh, so uh, if you do a Google search for Live to Lead, you'll get the Live to Lead site, and it will be promoting the, the global event if you're uh, local to Eugene. Of course, you could come to our event or the, the, around Oregon, uh, but there are events all over the country and all over the world uh, that run the same program, either simulcast or, or uh, a delayed rebroadcast. We were one week delayed from the real live event. Um, and uh, it, it happens every year in the fall. I think next year it's October 12th, uh, the live event. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, as John Maxwell ended the, the event... Um, Let's go and live live beyond ourselves. Let's go. Let's go big. Let's go for gold, if you will, and uh, continue to reflect and and have conversations that add value to our lives. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. Well, that was a great conversation, and I enjoyed uh, catching up with them. And I'm really excited because we're going to have another one of these reflections on Live to Lead. And perhaps you can be part of it. Uh, if you come on October 19th to our Live to Lead Glendale, join us uh, for that. There's also a workshop on A3 uh, thinking, which uh, we call Four Modes, our Four Modes workshop. If you've listened to the podcast on A3, uh, you can uh, look forward to a workshop where you'll get to work on your own Four Modes, your own A3. And as I think about this conference coming up, um, I'm really excited about being able to co-host it with my dad. Uh, so come, be part of it. Join us at Live to Lee Glendale. Thanks for tuning in to Value Add. For more great conversations and insights, visit valueaddconversations.com.